And we're back. Welcome to Deep Thinking, the motorcycle road racing podcast that knows why Jerry's first name was Mungo. He's Ed Sorbo from Lindemann Engineering. You can find him on the web at le-suspension.com. I'm Michael Gugis. You can find me on the web at motorbikeroadracing.com. You can find some photos out there at motorbikeroadracing.smugmug.com. Ed, I was thinking about you earlier. You know why? Yeah. I was Why? I was driving was around. It, and was it the 85th time you were thinking about me? No, no, no. Believe me. I think about you a whole bunch, Ed, but most of the time it's in regards to homicidal and violent acts. The um, Sandy and I were driving around, and we were looking at an L.A. fitness. We were at a stop sign, right? And okay. the L.A. does not have any periods in between there. So it's technically La Fitness. Now, or, or, Louisiana, okay, or Louisiana Fitness, you know? Yes. So we're not really sure. All we know is that um, I don't go there. Anyway, um, <laughs> God. speaking of sponsorship, because that's how we ended the last one, I just uh, picked up a sponsor for the uh, Weira, uh 2016 Weira West Yearbook. So, that, awesome. yeah, that project's definitely a go. If you want to pre-order, if you want to talk to me about advertising, give me a call. Really, all I'm trying to do is offset the production costs. But it's um, everybody who's seen it, uh, the, the draft from the first three rounds has been very, very excited about it. And it makes me really, it makes me really happy. Um, I know how hard even club racers work to do what they do. And it just, it's, it's so disappointing to just see all that effort just disappear into the, you know, into history. Um, so anyway, I'm really excited about doing that. Ed, you have a list. I have a list, but well, I gotta lick all this finger off, it's a sugar off my fingers. I'm eating a cinnamon roll, just like Grandma used to make. Oh my God, aren't those things spectacular? God, just so, uh, the list says uh, Sykes on board the slide. Sykes, Tom Sykes. We were looking at his on board. We, we, I was watching him on board uh, during the last World Superbike round, and um, it was um, he uh, went into a hairpin, and this was really cool because if you you've talked a lot about how guys will steer with the rear wheel either by using gas or going into the turn sideways to point the front wheel toward the apex of a corner or you know, right yeah well this case tom um used the bike mid the throttle mid corner to turn the bike and it was really cool because it all took place in like a second um and it was the onboard camera you, you you followed him as he went into the turn and you're, you're on that arc and you can see where the bike is going and suddenly it's a left hand turn and suddenly the whole the camera angle just like turns like five degrees to the left you know just to, just not not huge but big enough to see and you knew exactly what he had done at that point adding in the throttle turning the bike and of course a really good set of electronic rider aids that kept that from turning into a vicious high side which reminds me speaking of vicious high sides here's a shout out to john hopkins i hope you get better soon i still think that we ought to put stuart higgs on a superbike without traction control and high side his butt i, I was watching british superbike um from a couple of weekends ago 
and the last race was in the rain. Now, granted, it rains, I think, 400 days a year in England, okay? So rain racing is, appears to be no big deal to those guys. But man, watching them do it in, in a downpour was just amazing. Wheeling over the crest of hills and everything. And the bikes, you know, to save money and to keep the cost down, they have no traction control. And every time I saw somebody high side a bike, it's just, ugh. You know, it just it's painful to watch knowing that there's something that could have been done to prevent that crash. Anyway, um, so I, 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 liked, um, I liked the onboard footage from uh, the World Superbike stuff. I thought it was really cool to visually see an illustration of the phenomenon and the technique that you were talking about. They have this really cool phrase. You might have heard it. A picture is worth a thousand words. There you go. That was, and it was, that was exactly it. It was beautiful, you know. And a lot of times when the guys are sliding it in, you know, with the rear already kicked out, you don't see the change in the arc mid-corner. For whatever reason, he was doing it mid-corner right here. And that was really, that was a lot of fun to watch. It was very, very cool. Um, Back in the day, 500 GP bikes, Eddie Lawson was chasing Wayne Gardner at Laguna. Uh -huh. And Wayne fully throttle-checked him at the apex, or brake-checked actually is the term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, At the apex of turn 11. I remember. Midway through the race. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to where Eddie had to stand up and run wide. And so that, that gave Wayne a, uh, a bit of a gap. It took Eddie a lap to get him back. The uh, next time into turn 11, Eddie was right there, but moved over a little bit so that if Wayne tried it again, it wouldn't affect him. And then Eddie got the draft up the front straightaway, turn one at Laguna is blind, as you know. Right. And then you crest the hill, and turn two is a double apex. It's actually, the track is, you know, like a turn and a little tiny straightaway and then a turn again and you make one big decreasing radius line you know late apex through there yeah. normally yeah so Eddie Eddie went up the inside of Wayne and now he's going too fast to make the corner and he needs to get the bike pointed and he does it with the throttle and leaves a nice darky right there squares off the turn and fires up uh, coming out of there on the in, you know ahead of Wayne already it was classic but it's it was common to see them staying the rear and steering the bike throughout races in many quarters, but to go into a corner committed like that where you have to do it right. to make the corner and, and on a line that you haven't been on previously in the race, you know, and to make it work and all that stuff, it was it was classic. And then coming a lap after, Wayne fully did the asshole move on him. <laughs> uh, which, uh, pretty sweet and then Eddie pulled away and, and won the race the, um, um, there's a difference. So you were talking about British Superbike so let's use that to segue into your next topic which is British Superbike and gay porn hold on we'll get to gay porn in a moment okay um, <laughs> there's two two things number one the uh, there's a difference between seeing what steering with the rear or backing it in looks like from the side and there's and then the diff and and that's different than seeing what it looks like when the bike does it from the point of view of the rider. And yeah, you're right. I mean that that's a, that was a, it's it's a well established need to have a skill set like that as a road racer. But I just thought it was really unusual kind of to see that. The other you thing, you know, what would be a neat camera thing to do huh. would be to put uh, a camera looking forward somewhere on the moving handlebars. Oh, aligned with the with the triple clamp. 
Right. And then another camera, so one picture above the other, maybe on the screen, where it's pointing forward based on the motorcycle, like on the ferry. Right. So you can see what the what the bars are doing, which way the wheels pointed, right. relative to which way the bike is pointed. So that would actually be really corner, interesting. Right, you'd be looking straight ahead, but the wheel. I'm sorry, the the, the, the wheel camera would be straight ahead, right? And right. The, motorcycle camera would be looking in already because back is stepped out that would be very you know? cool yeah that would be a neat way to try to show people the differences um the other thing the other thing hold on the other thing about the pass that lawson put on gardner at, at laguna i don't know if you remember this or not but as eddie as eddie drifted his bike in you know right in front of wayne and took the line away from him as he was doing that he was turning around to look back into Wayne's visor and just to go, you know what, pal, if I could take my hands off the bars right now, all you'd be seeing is two middle fingers. He's like, I'm letting you, I'm letting you know that you just, did you see that? That just happened, pal. That just happened to you. It was. Well, you know, this, this is going to be interesting because I'm going to, I can go back into my MotoGP pass and yeah. I can watch that race yes. tonight. Watch it. Watch, and watch it. I'm pretty sure that Eddie did not look back. Eddie never was a guy to look back very much. That was the he point. He is the kind of guy that put that maneuver on you and show you without words that you were an asshole by brake checking him. Let's, so we have to see which one of us is uh, remembering uh, that, that little incident. The I, same or neither of us. So I think. I'm going to uh, make a note here for you. remember what year that was? 90? 90, 90 or 91? It was one, of, it's during that three-year period, or maybe 89. I don't recall. No, um, what was Wayne? Well, it's only a four-year spread, but hey, right. I can watch four MotoGP races. I can, and, and you could also look it up to see which one Lawson Eddie, won. Eddie was on a Honda, right? No, no, Gardner was, was on the Honda. The no, no, because when when Eddie went, Eddie went there one year on the Honda, and the brake, do you remember this? The brake pads fell out? Oh, yeah, that was, that was bad. Oh. No, I thought that was on the Kajiva. No, no, no. That was not on the Kajiva. Um, that was on. That was anyway, on the Honda. Anyway, folks, the story he's talking about is his Eddie's brake pads, front brake pads, fell out of the bike on the run up the front straightaway. Oh god! And so he went straight off the outside of turn two at you know warp speed right. and had to you know yeah. pitch it into the gravel. There's no footage of that. There's only footage of him laying in the ground up against the the tires. And yeah. He didn't have air fence back then. I, I think and he, he broke one ankle or maybe two. No, no, his heel. I forget. It was his heel. Yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah. Heel, ankle. Yeah, um, but he couldn't, yeah, he, yeah, he was he, out. He, was, he wasn't dead, which could have totally happened. So. Yeah, that was that yeah. was really spooky. You know, it just, it just it's sort of surprising to see sometimes, you know, mistakes like that made on factory bikes. But, you know, you got... Humans you, make mistakes. Humans make mistakes, <laughs> you know. So, um, British Superbike and Gay Porn. Okay. Yeah, uh, I want to see how you connect this together. This is, I mean, and, and you don't get to go, oh, well, British Superbike guys watch porn. Like, no, yeah, no, no, no. This is, it's actually, it's, it, better than that. it's kind of a funny little bit of karma, okay? And it's like I said, and it's one of those where the penalty is actually proportional to the crime. So I have no way of purchasing any kind of pass to watch British Superbike, okay? Um, there's just no way to get it in the United States and watch it legitimately. So I file share it because I really like watching, you know, uh, I, I like watching those races. I think those guys are, are really talented. Um, and it's not one of those like, you know, um, 
it, it's a world-class level event I mean, and world-class riders. Anyway, so when you go to a website called Kick-Ass Torrents and you attempt to download or, or look for the British Superbike races, you know, the, uh, the naming protocol is BSB and then a period and then the year. Okay, so if you go there to Kick-Ass Torrents and you type in BSB.2014, it'll kick back uh, all of the uh, torrents for British Superbike from 2014, okay? Okay. It also, it also says, when you hit search, you get a warning screen, and it says, you need to certify that you're 18 or over to see this. And I saw that for the first time, I'm like, oh no, well who knows what else, what I, what else I'm going to see so I click okay and it's like gay porn um and it for whatever reason the particular company that makes these gay porn movies also comes up with the label of BSB so <laughs> I had to I had to sort my way through all of that stuff before I could find the British superbike races I don't know that's Ed. a pretty tenuous connection I mean I'm, right if you do any search on the internet right? you have a reasonable chance of collecting some kind of porn category right because they like list every possible word they can think of to make the search get broader but you know what I don't have that happen when I will work search for world superbike or endurance or formula one or anything like that just with that Michael if you want to watch the pro porn I'm okay with it you all I'm saying an excuse and tell I'm about just it. all I'm saying Speaking a British superbike. Uh, hold on. I know. How is how is the Brit exit vote gonna affect the Ashen round of British superbike? I have no idea, but let me finish. The um because I'm holding the i I'm holding the voice recorder and you're miles away. The um <laughs> All I'm saying is I wanna be very clear, I'm not being judgmental. Anybody can watch any kind of porn that they want, and if you go to kick ass torrents and type in BSB.2016 Click search, click the yes, I want to see it. The very first video that you see poses the question, is four more fun? And I don't know. I'm just leaving it up to our listeners to find out on their own. Let them know if they want to go with God. I have no idea how the Brit, uh, the British exit thing is going to affect the ass and round. Do you know anything? Uh, I, I guarantee you that after the negotiations are over, which is a two-year process, so it's not going to happen right now, if going to be a lot harder for them to hold a superbike race in, in in another country because they won't all be part of Europe, right? With, right. Under the current system in their own EU, you just step on the ferry boat or the, or the drive through the tunnel and it's like crossing the border from one state to another state here, right? It's easy. <laughs> but if, if, if they're in different countries, then you got to get your stuff searched and you got to fill out forms. Oh. It's going to be a lot harder for all those people to travel over there. And the like, likelihood is that they'll drop that around. Very, very. That's a very good possibility. Plus, the British guys, um, British superbike uh, teams, they like to test in Spain in the off season because the weather. Yeah, another thing that'll be harder yep. for them to do. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Speaking well, of, the... I'm, I'm pretty sure that all of the motorcycle racer guys voted to stay in. Right. Um, it, it's, so, it was the uh, the people that weren't thinking things through that you know voting on yeah, all the all made the because uh, all the votes. All the motorcycle so, uh, racers are next thinking. Next thing on your list is 24 hours of Le Mans for Toyota. Ah. And as far as I know, Toyota not making motorcycles, Michael. So again, let's see what your connection is. It's just, it's a matter of motorsports sympathy. But 
first, before we get there, what's what's our time looking like? Fifteen thirty-seven. Okay, excellent. Let's skip that. I want to save. I want to save that for the two-minute board. Okay. So, what's the next okay. one? What's the next one after that? Yeah. Moving from small to big bike. Uh, our listener Aaron um, uh, wrote uh, wrote in. What up, Aaron? And said, "Hey, um, I've been riding or racing on the track for about three years now." Says I have an SV650. I love racing it. He says, but I'm not going to be racing this year. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to be racing really for the foreseeable future. So I'm thinking of moving up to a big bike to do track days. And he wanted to know if it was a good idea or not. And if he is making the move, what what do you look for in terms of adapting? So um, he wanted us to talk about it on the podcast, and I am totally down with helping Aaron out. So, Ed, what yeah, are your... that's that's a really common question. Uh, so a lot of people will be interested in our opinion of this one. What's your thoughts? Well, it, it always, from whatever size bike you're going from and to, if you're going to a bigger bike, it's going to cost more, both in the cost of the bike and in the use of the tires and when you crash. Uh, and it's going to be more difficult to do. And the odds are you're going to be slower. Uh, because of the big bike. Now, it doesn't apply that much. If you go from a 250 Ninja to an SV650, your total lap time is going to be faster because there's so much difference on the straightaway. Right. But if you go from a 600 to a 1000, uh, in Road Nation World had a great story about this a few years back. I think it took the guy six months of racing every month at World Springs just, just to equal yep. his 600 times on the 1000. Yeah, it's it yeah, it not because that guy, you know, with a scary cat or something or doing things wrong. It's just that much harder to ride a big bike. It is. Um, now, now look, stop there. What if you're just doing it for track days and you're not trying to race the bigger Well, it, it, doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't change anything at all. It's, it's still more costly. It still costs more to crash because you got more speed and more inertia and more expensive parts. Right. Uh, if you drop your bike in the parking lot, your 250 Ninja is going to cost less to repair than your ZX-10, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Not only is the thing heavier, but those parts cost more. Yeah, <laughs> good, Even good. If a, I'm pretty sure that the clutch lever is the same, but you got to pay more for it. Good <laughs> point. And, and, right? and I will I will um, guarantee you. You know, from... and, and then, so here's the thing that people don't really think about, right? Okay. They accelerate. Let's use the, let's, let's make it a, a big example, right? 600 to 1,000. But I want to be clear that from a small bike to a bigger bike, it's some version of this, no matter what the jump is. Got it. The acceleration of the of the 1,000 is just exponentially more than the 600. Yes. And you're like maxed out keeping up with the bike on your 600. And okay, that's great, right? You're right, when you're right at your limit, you're doing the best you can, but you're keeping up, it's fun, right? It's like a video game, right. you know what's coming next. Right. But when you don't know what's coming next, when you're beyond your limit, when you're overloaded, it, it, all the fun just disappears instantly. Uh, yeah. Um, you know? Yeah, no, now I'm here to tell you, it's way more fun to ride a bike to its limit and have that be a little bit below your limit than it is to ride a bike to your limit and have the bike's limit be above you. It's much more satisfying to do the other thing, to be beyond, to be faster than the bike. And you're, at, you're, and, you're and absolutely And then, correct. you know, like, let's talk about um, turn one at Auto Club Speedway. Okay. On my 250 Ninja, it's pinned in sixth gear, and three 
typically I have to slow down because guys are ahead of me going way slower. Right. Right? But on a Zeke, on a on 1,000, <laughs> and on any bike, the fast racing speed line above a 250 Ninja, uh, above a small bike that's pinned and fixed, everything else, you click it down to fifth gear with a little bit of braking and you go to their pinned and fifth. Okay? Right. Well, at, at your average track day, guys are doing that corner in third gear. Why? Because they're intimidated by that corner, right? Exactly. You can't see it very well on the approach because it's made out of cones and curbs. And There's a big bump when you go because you're on the banking and you come down to the flats. So the bike bottoms the suspension and kicks you all around. You have to make a direction change from left to right as you go through that bump and as you're dealing with the wiggling that the bump caused because you went through there with the throttle closed because you're scared. Right? Right. And when you should be in fifth and you are in third, that's a really good indication that you're not having a lot of fun. You're, and you're absolutely right. The other right? thing, of course, is that on the big bike, that turn is coming up at 160 miles an hour or 170 or whatever it is. It's Yeah, you... and then you're not even counting all the judgments you're trying to make about the people you're passing right. who are on 600 or whatever, okay? So my fun level on the 250 is massively above yours. Okay, and then let's go around the track a little far. Let's get to what I call the playground, which nobody calls it that anymore because they're all too young. It's now called turn 12 and 13. The playground has been, the jungle gyms are gone. So that's the middle straightaway. You go underneath the bridge, it's a long straightaway. You're bombing along really fast. And then there's four, three, two, one bridging marker cones, okay? Right. Who do you think's having more fun? The guy in the big bike who's rolling off at the 4.5 marker. Uh, under the me, bridge somewhere. Who's fully tucked in with my chin, holding my chin up with my thumb until I get to the one marker. Well, go, go back, go back, go back. Holding your chin up with your thumb, what do you mean? So I'm tucked in so far, right? and I've got, my, I've got my left hand in the form of a fist on top of my gas tank, pushing up on my chin so I can see straight ahead far enough because my neck doesn't bend up enough when my head is all the way down in the gas tank so I'm looking through the windscreen being as aerodynamic as possible. Ed, you used to be my hero. You're even my you're he my hero even more now. So I'm doing that all the way to the one, one marker. When I get to the one marker is when I begin the process of sitting up and reaching for the brake lever. Okay? And the only thing that's no fun about that for me is that if it's a track day, it's usually so much deeper than any other guys are going that it's too risky to just pass that many guys and right. have to, you know, break a little bit early and whatever. But in a race, that's that's what me and the other guys on the small bikes are doing. I will. And, you know, I, having to break that much and that long from that far back on the big bike is just not as much fun. I will, I will, um, I will. Dis- now, you ride, you ride an R1 there. What's your braking marker? I don't know, probably somewhere around the bridge. See? Yeah, right? Well, who who and, do you think's having more fun? The, the folks you just hear it heard did. Michael describe me as I'm yet more a hero to him now because I'm going that deep, but it's just the motorcycle. And so I think that's a great example of who's having more fun in it. You well, should stick, all yeah. of us, to stick to smaller bikes. I would almost I would almost completely agree with you, but here's why you're completely wrong. Um, <laughs> actually, not completely not completely wrong. Here's here's one of the here's to me here's the difference because um, I rode SVs SV six fifties for a very long time. Okay, and when I got on the R one, the R one felt like it was about two thirds the size of the SV. The 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 chassis was night and day different, um, and it, the riding experience. I'm not you know I'm not much of a late breaker on track days. I'm just out there. 
to get lean angle and then to go fast in a straight line you know and doing that the r1 was it was a much more enjoyable motorcycle to ride now you yeah but you were riding at what percentage of what the bike is capable oh, of a- doing absolutely on and, the and, r1 right on it, the sv you were riding at a much higher percentage absolutely so, yeah. If you want to have a great bike to go riding in the canyons, I could totally agree that, and, you know, going that, that, 45 miles an hour in a place that you could go 210 if it was a racetrack is definitely enjoyable. Yeah. And it's really nice to just have it in one gear and just roll the throttle on and have it scoot ahead of all the cars and all that good stuff. But we're talking about the racetrack here. Okay. To me, the racetrack is a place I go to because it's challenging and difficult. And the more faster I go, the more challenging and more difficult it is. Which is... And if you're going to ride at the level where it's just Sunday, riding right on the street, but you're doing it on the racetrack, well, good for you. It doesn't matter what bike you ride. I disagree. Because even at that pace, even at that pace of, of just you know riding around in a track day pace, not trying to win a race, there's a noticeable difference in the performance of the machines. And you can actually, when you're when your your hair is not on fire, when you're not trying to race a bike, and that's what I'm I'm trying to get back to, when your hair is not on fire, when you're not trying to race the bike, then you can actually appreciate the yeah. The, but you're changing, you're comparing such a different motorcycle, right? It that, has a V650. And that's my point. Style. Yes. The, the level of the frame by itself, right, is, is so markedly different. It would it'd be more fair to compare uh, a 600 to an R1 right. as opposed to an SV. And his question was about size, not relative, right? If you're going to compare an SV, then you need to compare it to, like, the, the, the sit-up straight version of the R1 with that standard handlebar and that stuff. Or something, right? or, or something with the cradle frame. And down your point a little bit. So you had the SV and you, you wanted the R1 and the R1's really good and you raced the R1. And you, but now you bought what, Michael? A Honda Hawk. A Honda Hawk. And, 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 a Honda Hawk. Right. And much it's like an SV, only older. No, frame's way better. So, frame is way better. <laughs> The frame is way better than an SV. Uh, that thing feels that thing feels entirely different than an SV. But the point the point that I was trying to get to is that is that riding and racing the R1 are two entirely different things to me. Riding it at a track day, a hoot. Even though you're right, it is more expensive. Even at a track day, it eats tires. Okay. Um, but racing it? Yeah, I would, and let's, let, let, I, I, I want to let you have your whole point, but I want to emphasize the thing about the tires. It's way better for everybody if we get more track days and more races in. There's only a few people that benefit from us buying a lot more tires. Oh. So, pick the bike that's going to let you do more of it, as opposed to the bike that's going to limit the number of events you yeah. can go to. Yeah, because I mean... You, you... That way, practice is what's going to make you faster and better. Yep, and you and I have both you and I have both seen people where we're like, "Dude, what are you doing?" And they're like, oh, "I can get one more I can get one more day out of these tires." And you're like, "Oh God, let me just go sit in the crash truck now." Well, I'm thinking more of how they all go home at two o'clock and there's four more rides to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh hey, no. Two minute board. You're absolutely correct. Like I said, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna finish up by saying your observation is exactly correct. Um, after, you know, at the height of my SV powers, I was clearly faster on the SV at a horsepower track like Willow Springs than I was on the R1. But I still enjoy riding the R1 a lot because I enjoy the performance of the bike. So all I'm saying is whatever bike makes you happy, 
for whatever riding you're doing. Buy that bike, enjoy the living crap out of it, just get to the track and do a lot of riding. That's all I'm saying. Michael's right, but you'll have more fun on a smaller bike. Oh, dear. Two-minute warning. Two-minute warning. Ed, so you've ridden a, a number of endurance races. You've seen heartbreak, okay? Toyota in 1991 came uh, within 90 minutes of winning the uh, the uh, 24 hours of Le Mans. Just dominated the race, 90 minutes to go, the car breaks, okay? They go okay. away. They don't go endurance racing again for a very long time. 91? No, that was Mazda's win. Somewhere in the early 90s. They come back. They do whole bunch of stuff they've won the world they won some races in recent years they won the world endurance championship etc this year this year ed have a bit of sympathy four minutes to go the car breaks yeah out of the other team on the same lap out of the lead yes (laughs) out of the out of the lead with four minutes to go Oh my God! Grown men cried, dude. That sucked. What's the What's the biggest last minute, last dis, you know, last gasp disaster that you've seen in an endurance race? Uh, nothing really springs to mind. Usually, but you know, in the really long races, right? Usually, uh-huh. it's not down to the wire, right? Right. The race is won in the preparation you know, beforehand and the plan you make and the execution, right? So that by the time you get to the end of the race, you know, the last half hour, you're just holding out the easy board for your rider, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, right. You know, yeah. uh, I, I'm sure there's there's been stuff, but nothing that I can think of at the moment. Can, can, can you feel a little sympathy for those folks, though, Ed? Can you feel their pain? Well... How about this? How about the, the, the happiness of the team that was going to be second? <laughs> they were just, they, they looked like, they just looked shocked. There was the Porsche, yeah. the Porsche well, team. In a 24 hour race, right? You're so tired by the time you get to there. Right. That you're, you're, your eyes feel like they're on fire. It's for everybody's emotions. You're just too tired to really have the real thing. Oh, uh, but, but that's, I mean, I would say that this is why you go racing. First of all, they didn't win the race, but with only four minutes to go, they, they dropped, what, two laps, right? They yep. still finished quite high up. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and we know going into that's what can happen, right? It's like crashing on the last lap of your sprint race. It sucks, but <laughs> it's part of the program. He's Ed Sorbo. He's Michael Gugis. Aloha. Aloha.